thanks for watching or listening to VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. This is episode 102. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, leave us a comment, good or bad. Same on iTunes or Spotify where you can listen to us. And the more people that listen on iTunes, the better, because John keeps up with all these figures, my co-host there, and I think we was number 11 in the in, in the iTunes charts or something to do with it before Christmas. I'm not I'm not up with all that, but that's where we are. You know me, Steve Lillis. You know uh, my co-pilot, John Evans. And for our special guest this week, uh, we're going back to, well, the 1990s mainly, a man who, one of the few, you can say, boxed, boxed in three different decades. Um, former British super middleweight champion and world title challenger, Cornelius Carr. Cornelius, uh, sort of boxing royalty from the 90s when it, you know, joining us tonight. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I know we're going to chat about um, a couple of your boxing memories you picked out as your topics in the, in the main body in the pod. But um, mm. you put them and a lot of stories down in, in, in a book, haven't you, that just come out? Um, Warrior in Wellington Boots. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about it? Yeah, well, it's, it's about a boy uh, growing up in Grangetown in the in a council estate, um, and uh, you know, and the, the hardships he had as a young kid, and coming through that, uh, and having a dream, really having his dream of becoming a champion and making something of his life, um, and yeah, that that's what it's all about, really. That, that the book is, um, it's quite um, raw, it's quite truthful, um, you know. I've got. I've had over uh, 90 reviews now and all giving me five stars. So it's, uh, it seems to be um, going in the right direction. So I'm really pleased. Yeah, what made you do, do the book? Because, as you know, that unless, you, unless you're an absolute A-list superstar, mm. uh, yes. I mean, you know, there's plenty of big names, you know, that have done books. You know, you don't make, you're not going to make a living out of it. What made you write the book? Well, we had lockdown. And um, my girlfriend said to me, why do we write a book? And I said, what about? She said, about you. And I'm like, about me? Who's going to be interested in me? Um, but, and then we started doing it. And then we started thinking, yeah, this could be something good. And then my girlfriend is, um, you know, who, who did the, who was the author. And, um, and she basically said, this could be a really good film. Um, it's a really good story from rags to riches. Um, not that I'm saying I'm mega rich because I'm not, but I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable and, uh, you know, boxing has been very good to me. So, and I'm still making a living from boxing training people now. Hey, Cornelius, you know, if you do make a film of, of this live story, there's one scene that's got to be in it and you've got to tell us a little bit about it now. How did you end up in the Louisiana state prison sparring the inmates? Cause I've seen, they do something called the Angola prison rodeo where they have the inmates doing all rodeo cowboy tricks, don't they? But I didn't know yeah. we did boxing as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I was I was over training with Bo Williford. Remember, he used to train, used to uh, train Glenn McCrory, and I met Bo kind of lucky, really. I was at the show and I just met him, and he said, "Why don't you come over to America?" And I didn't know where where he lived in. He lived in Lafayette, which is real deep south. Nice. So I was over there, and I was over there training. I was training with Kenny Vice, who was a good fighter. Um, uh, so there was a lot of good fighters there, and basically one day for me, he said. Uh, we're going to the prison today for some sparring. So I said, all right, okay, let's go along to that. So I went to, the, and I just thought it was going to be sparring. But when we got there, we were all searched going in. And one of the guys had a pair of jeans on and he couldn't, he had to take them jeans off because they were the same jeans as the inmates. 
and didn't want to get us mixed up. So I thought, oh, this is really serious. So then we went in, and then uh, there was scales, there was loads of people hanging about, and there's like a proper fight scenario, and I got, and Bo said to me, do you want the scales then? I'm like, oh, what's for? We're sparring, aren't we? Because just you don't want the scales. So I jumped on the scales, and I was 11 stone 10, exactly. And then this announces it. And, and from England, he's 11, <laughs> well, 164 pounds, he said, exactly. And this black boy jumped in and goes, I want you, man. I want you. Oh, looks like I've got an opponent. And he was called the Alley Cat. So basically that was, and I had two fights. I had two fights. It's all in the book. I put it all in the book. And it's basically one lad came out and had a chain around his neck. And he was like hugged to pull in. It was like a real, it was about a thousand people in this, in this, in this, in this, in this big hall, all inmates. Everywhere we went, we were we were uh, we were with uh, sol- uh, not soldiers, so- uh, guards, and they were making sure everything was fine, so we were good. Uh, so I had I had two fights in there, and they were like, I mean, there was no win, no lose situation, but um, it was real. I mean, as before <laughs> I went out, I said the boss said these guys were. He said no, you come in, he goes these guys are going to rip your head off. You know that, don't you? And I'm like, I thought we were sparring. He went, this is a fight, and they were like fights. You know, so I stopped the first guy in the third round because that's how serious it was. Because he was trying to stop him. That takes some balls that to, to stop him and not just carry him to the end corner, Elias. That that takes oh, some balls. No, that. no I, I I knocked him down and then then the alley <laughs> cat came. Then the alley cat came out and he'd had ninety six amateur fights and he'd won ninety four of them, right? So he come out and the crowd went absolutely berserk because he was their big star. So he come out. He was the one who shouted, "I want you, man." I want you, and he was the one who was shouting. So okay, has, he already, has he already fought Cornelius, or was he no, fresh? I, I'm, I'm not sure if he had fought or not, because I we weren't allowed to go into this into the room only when we boxing into the, the auditorium. We we had to stay in a, in one room out the back with all the with all the officers. We couldn't walk around, and um, but yeah, he, he, you know, I, I always remember him gold teeth right along here. I remember him saying, and he. And he Waved me over at the end, like because he was at the ringside. So I went over to him, and uh, I was obviously had a guard behind me, and he shook my hand to give me one of these black handshakes. And I didn't know what he was doing with me. At. He was like going all over with me, hand like this. I was like, "Oh, am I?" He said, "You'll have to stay with me tonight." I went, "I'm not staying in here tonight." <laughs> but that, that was that was true. And he was called the Alley Cat, but he was a good fighter. He was very, he was very much like Bomber Graham, one of these hands down, very slick. Smiley, kind of like really like difficult to get older, but uh, you know, I did well, I thought I did quite well anyway. With great experience, I was more nervous coming away from the place than going there because so I was looking forward to a bit of sparring, but end up being like two fights. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, that's a tremendous anecdote, and even more reason to buy uh, the book, the Warrior in Wellington Boots book. No, the war, I've got that, the Warrior in Wellington Boots, I had that right before I wrote it down. And anyway, we're going to stick on now with a podcast. We hear a couple more um, opinions from you. Plenty of opinions, I hope, Cornelius. Round one, Johnny, you ready with your clock and your bell? Already, yeah, all ready to go. I tell you what. Well, round one, Cornelius, you're going to talk about the ABAs, and I know you got to the final at least once. Am I right? You are right. Well, tell us about it. What you want to discuss on that? Do you want to start now? Yeah, yeah away you go. go. Right, okay, so the ABAs, I was 17, and uh, it was my first, my, my amateur coaches always said to me, three threes are what you're going to be good at. My dream was to become a schoolboy champion. It didn't happen for me. 
So I always had this dream of being, I wanted to be a champion. That was my goal. So I went in the ABAs and there was four, four in my group in the Northeast finals. And it was a real strong group. Um, the Carl Duke, um, uh, I can't remember his name now, but anyway, another, another couple of good fighters in there. And, and, and I won my first fight. Carl Duke won his second, his fight. Then I got Carl in the, in the final. And Carl Duke was the favourite to win that contest. And uh, anyway, I stopped him in the third round. So then the next round was against Yorkshire. And it was against a kid called Henry Wharton, who we all know yeah. has been a good fighter. And um, he was like knocking people out for fun. And, um, uh, you know, obviously I was two against Henry. And I didn't know what he looked like. And I always remember Henry, we, we, were, we were in the, uh, going to see the doctor. And it was packed, full of gypsies, massive. He had a big following Henry had. Yeah. And it was in Hartlepool. And it was just packed with people. Anyway, so I'm in this queue waiting to get to see the doctor. And the doctor goes, Henry? I thought, oh, that's Henry. And I, I'd put Henry in this, like, like a man mountain because everyone was saying, oh, he's brilliant. He's knocking. He had two he had two fights in his round and knocked him out in the first round, supposedly. And I'd not seen him box. So I knew he was dangerous. So when, when, the, fight, when the fight came out, I said, I'm going to watch him, make sure he doesn't catch you with a left hook. And he came forward, like, screaming the shots in. And um, anyway, I won the fight. Crowd went berserk, and uh, they had the Gypsy Boys had four hundred pounds on him to win, and they didn't want to pay. And Henry's dad supposedly stopped him, said, "Pay the men four hundred pounds." So that was that. That was a big experience, a big win for me. Obviously, winning the quarterfinal against Paul Wright in Liverpool was a good win for me. And I, then I got a, an English final, a semi-final, and then another. They had two semi-finals back in them days, and then I boxed a guy called Sean Heron, who was a Scottish champion, beat him. And then I came on to the big fight against Rod Douglas. Obviously, Rod Douglas was the big star at the time. He was, let me think what he what he was. He was Commonwealth gold medalist. He was Olympic bronze medalist. He boxed for England so many times. He was a captain of England. And um, so anyway, when the fight came on, I was really up for it. And it was very close. You know, some people thought I won because he only showed the first and the third round in the TV on, IT, on BBC One. And I thought I'd nicked it. Um, but the decision went the other way, and he read Rod got it, and Rod was a great fighter. So um, you know that was that that was the end of that really. But it was a really good experience, and that I was only I'd only had thirteen senior fights, and I'd just gone eighteen at that point. Yeah, I'm only stopped by the belly, but I mentioned this to you on the phone last night, Cornelius. But I wonder now where with the ABAs now. So many of the guys go on to GB. We're not getting that level of. Uh, at national championships and the course of Scottish guys and the Welsh guys aren't in it now. Like you mentioned <laughs> Sean Heron, who was a very good Scottish boxer, had a decent pro career, I think, as well. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so I mean it's a bit of a shame really that that's um that, that that's happening. Um I'm not quite sure how the ABA is going because I think the ABs are Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They have a quarter semi and a final over the weekend. But um the, the sort of the elite boys are going straight to the going straight to the England and, right. they aren't getting, and they don't have to fight for their position, which is a bit unfair for the people who are just not there yet. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. you should John's be bringing that bell. We get serious for John's yeah. first topic. Now about weight making, which obviously you'll play a big part in this topic. Yeah. Cornelius will be able to help us out. And this is going back to last weekend with Liam Smith and Chris Eubank. And yes. Eubank throughout his career has looked rock solid, hasn't he? Um, yeah. yeah. Big punchers like Abraham Groves couldn't put a dent in him. 
You know, he's been the distance with big super middleweights. The stories you hear of him sparring, he's, he's as solid as a rock. But on Saturday, he just came apart completely from one uppercut. Now, Liam Smith was never really a big puncher at light middleweight, let alone middle. So that yeah. leads you to believe there's something else, doesn't there? And I just wonder if the years spent boiling himself down to middle, that ridiculous weight cut he did for the Conor Ben fight that never happened. I just wonder if those have taken the toll and if, if Eubank will ever be the same or whether it's time to move up to super middle. And just Cornelius will be able to tell us the effect it, it can have you taking those those last yeah. three or four pounds off. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I was surprised when he boxed, I think it was Williams in Cardiff. He had his, he weighed 11 stone four and he had his jeans on. No one else commented on it, but he had a pair of jeans on when he weighed in and it was 11 stone six was the limit. So why was he so light in, in that fight? I couldn't understand that. I said, what's he got his jeans on for? And he jumped on the scales. If you look at the back at that, you'll see that. And you think he was 11 stone four. So he's two pound under the weight, plus a pair of jeans on, which probably weighed two pounds. Yeah. So he was 11 stone two for that fight. So I don't think making the weight, but I think maybe he's been, yeah, I think as you get older, you start cutting weight. It's not good for you. Yeah. You know, if you look back to even Roy Jones, who was in Eubanks' corner. I mean, he went to heavyweight, and then he went back down to light heavyweight to box Tava. Never yeah. the same. Yeah, It was never the same after that, after that, when he got beaten that fight. So I think putting weight on and taking off quickly is not good. Yeah. I'm wondering yeah. also, like, if when he had the Conor Ben fight and it fell through that week, a couple of weeks, he still went and made the weight to show he could do it. So he's gone yeah. and then he's gone and put weight on. So he's, he's, he's cut down to that weight twice very, very quickly. Now, I'm not a boxer, but I don't think that does you any good. And he's not getting any younger. No, yeah. no I don't yeah. want to take away from Liam because we love I'll Liam. Liam's one of Liam. our favourites, yeah. isn't he? And Liam yeah. was brilliant. He was composed. He had the tactics spot on. Yeah, Liam got it absolutely right. And when he saw the opportunity, he landed. But I, there's got to be something more behind the way he came apart so quickly rather than, than that uppercut. And uh, I, I, I play to Liam, but... I was shocked. I, I mean, I honestly thought if Liam was going to win, he's going to grind him down to yeah, lay on. That's what I thought. I thought it's going to be a, yeah. if he gets him into the trenches in round eight, nine, ten, because Liam's strong, keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming. Um, that's where I thought he'd have a good chance. I thought that's that's the way it's going to work for him. But so I was, I, I must admit, I was shocked that um, that happened to Eubank. I must admit, because as you say, his dad had a fantastic chin. I can prove that. I sparred with him loads of times. And um, but I'm not saying his son has, but he obviously has because he's gone the distance plenty of times in fights. Yeah, well, round three, we're staying on the subject of Beefy Smith. And uh, well, I want to talk about is what happened, what, what's next? What, what do you guys think might be next? Sir? I mean, what's mad is he's, he's gone and had this win against Eubank, he's at the tail end of his career, and what a magnificent career from British titles fighting in front of 60 odd thousand in Dallas. It's the sort of thing. His career is something dream, you dream of. He's ending it on such a high. He's won a big local derby against um, Anthony Fowler in Liverpool. He's beaten, he's beaten um, Chris Eubank. Oh, I just wonder what, what's next for him because it's mad as it sounds, you're looking mm. at like Billy Joe Saunders, Kel Brook coming out of retirement. Um, the Eubank rematch, if, he, if he's going to press ahead with, I think there's a rematch clause. But then, what I don't get it, what I find strange with boxing, how it's changed so much. Those fights, you'll most probably get more from those fights 
than he would for challenging a for a world title against Jamal Charlo or uh, Janabek, the WBO champion. There's only well, reason a rocking fight at world level yeah. that would maybe earn him money on parity. I, I was thinking, sorry, sorry, I was thinking about that today, and me personally, I, I would, I would take the Eubank fight return, without doubt. Yeah, so it's not. I'm not going to be an easy fight. Eubank will be definitely might come up and be, be a different fighter. Might be. Who knows? We just don't know. That could have been the end of him. Who knows? It, it, only he knows that. But um, me personally, I think for him, he's going to make mega bucks if he box Eubank again, and it's, if you. <laughs> If it's another fight like that, then it's going to be an easy fight for him. But who knows? No one, no one knows. It was just a, it was a bad night for Eubank Jr. You know? He was, he, I was, I watched the fight, and he was coming back into it. His uppercuts looking good, and he looked sharp, and his jab was winning the fight. But he was, I don't know. It just didn't seem the same. Soon he was a hit. Soon as, he, and he's, as you say, as as, the, the, as you said about, the, he has a good chin, and it just seemed to didn't have it. Yeah. Where would you go next, John? I don't know, it's difficult. It depends what Liam wants, doesn't it? Liam's ambitious, but I just wonder if now he starts looking towards the money. Yeah, I think right. Liam two years ago would have been shouting Golovkin, saying, I want that. But maybe now Liam's thinking, well, Eubank, I know I can take him apart, and that's a big payday. Brooke's a big payday, he's well-known, and he'd be pretty confident with Brooke, I think. So it just depends on what Liam wants to do, whether Liam wants another world title attempt and to go down that hard road, or whether he wants to cash in a little bit. And to be honest, whichever he wants, I'd... Can't blame him for taking either road, can he's, we? He's been down that hard road and fought Canelo, those things. I'd go for those those fights against, you know, a Billy Joe that's been out a long time, a Kel Brook, a Eubank. He's likely to start favourite. And I totally see the business sense, it, as Cornelia says, in fighting Eubank again. Four, um, over to you, Cornelia Sender. One of your big nights, WBO super middleweight title fight in about 95 or 96 against Steve Collins. Short notice job as well. 95, yeah. I can tell you how I got that fight. Basically, I was at a, a boxing event and um, I seen, I couldn't get hold of Frank Warren. He was my manager, but I couldn't get hold of him. He was busy at the time, obviously, had loads of fighters. And I saw, went over to him and I said, hey, Frank, what about getting me now, Joe Ben? You know, for the, he said, oh, he doesn't want to fight. Yeah, what do you mean? He said, no, what about Steve Collins? That's how he looked at me. He said, what about Steve Collins? And I was like, yeah, all right. You know, didn't have key, <laughs> didn't have that idea in my head. Anyway, he shook me hand. Then, and then I went home. And then on, on the Monday morning, I'm uh, looking at CFAX. Remember CFAX? So I'm yeah. looking at CFAX and going, looking. Collins next opponent. I went, he's had me over again. Warren hasn't picked me again. I knew he wouldn't. So anyway, I said, who's he got? You know what I mean? And he went, car next opponent. That's how I found out. I got that fight. <laughs> so this is the Monday, four weeks to the Saturday, now the Saturday to the fight. And I'm boxing him. So I phoned up the office. I said, is that right? Have I got, got, um, have I got uh, you know, Steve Collins? She went, oh, uh, I'll have to speak to Frank. So I waited all day, got a phone call for a second. Oh, yes, you've got the fight. I said, well, what about the money? What about how much? In, oh, Frank will meet you in two weeks' time or whatever. So I just went hell for leather training with Howard Rainey, who was my trainer. And we really worked hard and uh, got in the best condition of my life. Um, and, um, yeah, we, we arrived at, we arrived in, in, in Ireland. And obviously, Steve Collins was a mega, mega. He'd just beaten Eubank twice, Eubank Senior. So he was a big star, and that was his homecoming. So I was supposed to be the easy fight. But I'd also sparred Steve Collins about a year earlier and bashed him up in Romford. 
and uh, he didn't come for the second day sparring. So um, anyway, so that was giving me a bit of confidence, but he was a different animal now. He'd won the world title, he beat Chris Byatt, then he went gone and beat um, um, Collins. So then the, the next the next slope, obviously I'm making this to make the fight. So it goes to the weigh-in, gets gets in there, goes to the weigh-in, and Ernie Fossey, remember Ernie Fossey? We were sat yeah. there, we were, and I was trying to get on the scales, and they go, no, six o'clock, no, you can't get on the scales. So so I gets on the scales at quarter past six. Eventually gets on the scales, arguing with Ernie, gets on the scales. Now I'm about a, a, half a kilo over, not okay, uh, just over the weight. So then I jump back on with no shorts on. So I'm totally naked. Then Collins is on me and he pushes the towel to one side and I'm stood there totally naked yeah. with about a thousand, I don't know, a hundred people, two hundred people in the room all screaming and shouting, Collins in my face screaming. But that was like, that was the before the, even the fight started. But um, he tried to get into my head, trying to give me had to roll over, but it didn't work. And yeah, I went to twelve rounds with him, and we had a we had a, f- a fantastic fight. And some people thought I won that again. The Neely man, you know, it was just a he, he was a bit too big for me. I wasn't. I was never a super middleweight. I was a middleweight. That was my that was my category, and that's where I should have boxed. But the opportunity came, and I took it with both hands. And Collins thought he, I seen him afterwards, and he said to me, "You ran me close in that fight." You, I was very surprised. He told me that face to face. He said, "You ran me close." So you know, fair play to, yeah, to Steve for saying that to me. Yeah, brilliant. That Connie listen. Right, over to you, John. Round five uh, now and then. Yeah, I'm interested because we've we've not had many fighters on. We've had Gary Logan on in the past, haven't we? And a yeah. couple of people who fought in the nineties. But it'd be good to see Cornelius. How you think our coverage of boxing is? Now, Cornelius, compared to then, you know, like yeah. for seeing these days around boxing, I can't stand it with the, the people with the mobile phones recording everything, trying to prompt you yeah. into giving a quote, and everyone's just after that uh, bit of sensa- sensationalism, aren't we? Trying to get a controversy. I don't think a lot of people following the sport actually like boxing, I think they like the headlines and the attention and the, and the bright lights. But what we can't argue with is just how much attention it does get. You know, fighters of your level in the 1990s were probably household names now, you know, getting millions of views and stuff. What was it like for a fighter trying to make it to the top in your day? The attention you used to get from... Did your phone used to ring for interview requests all the time? What was it like? No. But, like, you know, we're looking back, and like, I think I think one year, in 94, or something like that, I got, I got to number five in, in, in Great Britain. And above me was Nigel Benn, Michael Watson, Steve Collins, I think he was there, um, Chris Pyatt, I think he was there. You know, there were some really good fighters, and I was number five, and I was thinking, thinking now, and Bama Graham, I think, was hovering around. I think he'd gone to super midway at that point. But, um, you know, uh, there were some great fighters. And, like, today, because of the, the, the Sky situation and pay-per-view, I think it's ruining boxing. I know, you know, I know the fighters are making more money, but I watched a show the other week on Channel 5. Uh, I forget the name now. Uh, Troy Williamson against... Josh um, Kelly. Josh brilliant Kelly. fight. Really good fight. Um, it was on Channel 5 and it's free. Now, hopefully that will be a start of, of Channel 5 getting in on boxing because they must have had good reviews for that because it was a good fight. And, you know, if they, it's just getting the fight, isn't it? And the pay-per-view situation... I don't think that you, Bank and and, and Callum Smith, or 
it was a, a pay-per-view fight, me personally. But again, what you're saying about the um, uh, the fighters like Eubank, his, his persona, I mean, the actual fight wasn't that good. Let's put it. Let's put it in perspective. It's all right, exciting, yes, but it wasn't. It wasn't a spark. I mean, you've seen many middleweight fights in the nineties, a lot better than that. You know, no disrespect to Callum or, or Eubank Junior. But I'm just telling you the truth. You know, would, would they? Would 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 that fight last with Nigel Ben? Would that fight last with Chris Eubank or Steve Collins? I don't think so. Would have they lasted with Cornelius Carr? I would have fancied it big time, <laughs> big time with all of them. But hey, well, the time goes by. I'm 53 years old, and I'm talking about fighting again. I'm not <laughs> again. You know what I mean? It's like you know everything comes to an end. But um, you know, uh, you've got to take your opportunities when they come. And my my opportunity was against Steve Collins. There's no doubt about it. And I nearly had it. Nearly, just not quite enough. And I think. More body punching would have made me win that fight, be personally. You know what? You you running in close might have been the reason Nigel Ben jumps in with him so soon afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> well, Nigel Ben was up that there. And the thing was another thing that really annoyed me about again about Frank Warren, I hate to slag people off. But I didn't even get asked to go to the to conference the press conference afterwards. Wasn't even asked. Just give the best fight of my life. And then that goes in there's a press conference on. So I goes and no one asked me any questions. We are all on about the Nigel Ben and Steve Collins. That fight was already made before me. It's already been signed. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? There was no way I was going to win that fight. Yeah. That fight had already been made. But there you are. That's, that's history, isn't it? That's, it is what it is. It's the business, as we all know. And if your face doesn't fit, uh, you know, it, it, it can, it, yeah. I'm not bitter about it. Just one of those things. You know, it's life, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think we're three minutes there, John, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, all the last day. Right, round six, um, Saturday's big fight. Anthony Yard against Arta Paterbi. I think it's IPF, WBC, WBO, light heavyweight belt. Just want to get uh, you, your, your opinion on it, guys. Um, I find it really hard to make any sort of a case for Anthony Yard unless it's right fight, right time. Um, I'm Paterbi. Massive on Baturbiev, this fight. Hmm. Um, just think, you know, he's look, he turned things around with the with the, uh, the Lyndon Arthur stoppage, did Anthony after losing that on points? But I find it hard to make any sort of a case of him beating Baturbiev unless Baturbiev is past the sell by date or he starts so slow and gets caught early, which we haven't seen him hurt before early. But I'm absolutely big on Baturbiev winning this in about seven or eight rounds. Yeah, yeah. If you want me to go first, I mean, I I, I watched um, uh, whichever can you say his name. Yeah. I seen him box um, Usyk in the World Championship final, and he had oh, Usyk. Oh, Serbia, sorry, yeah, Serbia. Yeah, yeah. He, had, he had he had Usyk over in the last round. Did you know that? Hit him with oh, the yeah, body. So I, I knew he beaten him. No, I didn't. You, you no Usyk beat him in the fight. Yeah, but he had him over. Yeah. He had him over in the third round with a body punch. So he's very dangerous. Um, I mean, Yard is, is tough and he'll come and have a go. I, I like like Yard when he boxed Kolyev. That was a great yeah. fight. That, that was a good, great fight to watch. Um, but uh, the odds are against him. But he will have a bit of home advantage, home advantage and he will be up for it. Um, 
you know, there's uh, he is probably the hardest punching light heavyweight, probably the hardest punching of all the divisions at the minute. He's knocked everyone over and he's knocking them all over. So um, it is a tough fight for for Yard, but if he comes through with it, he's going to be a megastar. You know, if yeah. he does come through it for true fighting people, most people won't know of of Berchev. Won't know of him. A lot of people, but boxing people will. And obviously, it's a dangerous fight for Yard. You know, one punch can finish it. This one, you know, he's always got the equalizer. But do I see Yard winning? Can't see it, but who knows? It's all in the night. It's, uh, and good luck to Yardy. Yeah, I, I can't wait for it. You know, I, I just want. I just worry that a couple of yards' performances flatter him a little bit. You know, he, he did well with Kovalev, and he, he had that big round where he could have finished it. But Kovalev was past his best there, wasn't he? And and Canelo mm. took him apart not long after. And then Lyndon Arthur in the rematch. Lyndon wasn't there mentally, wasn't he? I don't think Lyndon fancied that fight. Different situations around it, and Yard blew through him. I just wonder if those performances flatter him a little bit. But the one thing Yard has got, he's got speed and he's got power. And we've seen better be on the route on the floor in the first and second round a couple of times now. I just wonder if Yard might gamble, if he might turn it into a shootout, try and capitalize on that speed and power, and just try and get it done early. Because if it goes like Steve said, if it goes four or five rounds, that thudding power. It, yeah. It's going to be very, very difficult to take, isn't it? And better be able to stop him. I just wonder if Yard's best chance is to make it into a, a little firefight and just see if he can land first. Yeah, well, yeah. this is the fight, you know, this is the fighters, you know, you know, you talk about things like, you know, fighters bouncing back from losses, you know, carrying on from wins. When you look out, Yard's career has always been planned out for this, you know, getting to this level and having a fight of this magnitude in London. It's one of those fights. You know, you, people say you shouldn't say it's make or break for a fighter, but this is make or break for oh, a yeah. fight. If yeah. you stop the fight, if it, and then I may be wrong, and you know, I'm sure they'll disagree that if he did, if he won, it was as, as um, Cornelius said, it would repel Yard to becoming a household name, one of our biggest stars. And if he lost, I wouldn't be surprised if we never saw him again. This is what mm. it was always about getting that world title fight in London with, with the, everything in his favor, apart from the opponent. Against yeah, the you, can't, you can't see him setting himself on getting back up to mandatory spot in the WBO no. by fighting a few Russians, can you? No, he's not no. that type of guy. But he's such a big character and, and big name. If he makes a fight of it, people are still going to want to see Buatzi and, and those type of fights. But I think he has. He can't get blown away. If he gets blown away, it's going to be tough for him. Yeah. Mm. Are we three minutes there, John? Are we over again? Yeah, around, around three minutes. Well, guest tonight, Cornelius. He's telling yeah, me. Yeah, we let... We let Cornelius talk. There's no point in cutting him off. Cornelius, you've been a top guest there. Um, pleasure to have had you on. Best of luck with the book. I know people can get it on Amazon. That's it. Um, go to Amazon. You can buy it. I know you're going back to Middlesbrough. You're living in South Wales now. I know you've got a night in Middlesbrough coming up, haven't you? When's that yeah. for anyone who wants to go? Yeah, it's going to be on the 27th. It's going to be at the Legion Hub in Grangetown, 27th of March. And 7.30 is going to be a book signing and a Q&A questions afterwards. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to going back home to our hometown in Middlesbrough. And I've had fantastic support. The book's doing really well, Warrior and Wellington Boots. It's number 12 in autobiographies now, out of 550 on Amazon. So, sorry, 1,200. I've just been pointed out, 1,200. So that's fantastic. And, um, yeah, yeah, so any people who, 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 who get the book, have a look, have a read, and please leave a review. Thank Great you very work. much.
Thanks for coming. You're looking brilliant for someone who about 40 odd fights. Superb. John, you always look superb. I'm not going to put you down there, Mr. <laughs> John, thank you as well, John, this week for coming on, as always. And uh, thanks everyone for watching or listening. And we'll see you all next week. For all boxing info, news, and latest interviews, Amateur and Pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP Boxing Promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.